0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Accessible Intellect, the podcast where I talk about things that I find interesting in a way that will hopefully be of some value to you. Today's episode is going to be a bit different than the other episodes I've done so far, in that I'm going to be talking about a personal experience rather than diving into a more universal topic. I spent all of this past September in an Airbnb in northern Vermont. It truly was in the middle of nowhere i was in a town called marshfield and if you look that up you'll see that the only attractions are ponds hiking trails and one general store it was pretty much all dirt roads and i had to drive 30 minutes to get to the nearest laundromat and grocery store the place i was staying at was basically a renovated shed so it was of course tiny there was a bed a dresser a small desk and a fridge and with all of that in there there was pretty much no room to walk around There was no running water, so I had to go inside of the owner's main house to use the bathroom and wash my dishes. Living in a tiny space like that has always been something that I found intriguing, but I think one month was the perfect amount of time. Any more than that, I probably would have just gotten really claustrophobic. I went by myself and was alone the whole time, except for two weekends when I had friends come up to visit me. The solitude was mostly peaceful, and I think it was really valuable, though I did, of course, get lonely at times. Outside of work, which I was doing remotely, I filled my days with mostly outdoor activities like running, walking, biking, kayaking, and reading. I also did a lot of day trips to Burlington, Montpelier, and Montreal, which are all awesome. Spending time in Montpelier was both heartbreaking and heartwarming because, if you didn't know, earlier this year they had extreme flooding, which caused a lot of damage and many small businesses to close. Walking around the downtown was unlike anything I'd ever done before. The vast majority of the shops were still under repair, so it was very much like a ghost town. I say it was also heartwarming because anytime I went to Montpelier throughout the month, things seemed to have improved, even just a little bit. Also, there was always such a strong sense of community there. There was so much art around with messages of hope, peace, and unity, which I found really inspiring. Burlington and Montreal quickly became two of my favorite cities that I've ever been to, and I can honestly see myself living in both of them. They're both gorgeous and full of very kind people marshfield the town i was actually staying in was honestly beautiful beyond words i was a mile drive away from the best sunset spot that i've ever seen with open skies and the sun setting behind the mountains so obviously i went to watch the sunset every night that it wasn't raining and i have to admit that several of them did in fact bring tears to my eyes i think at this point i've done enough rambling about what i did and where i was so it's time to get into what this episode is really about I realize that most people aren't able to do this sort of trip for a variety of reasons, whether it be financial or relationships or working in person or other responsibilities. So because I did have the privilege to have this experience, I think it would be a good thing for me to share some of the things that I learned throughout it. So without further ado, let's get into it. The first thing I want to talk about I actually didn't learn while I was in Vermont. Rather, I learned it a few months prior, and it was one of the main reasons why I ended up going at all. The idea is this, you can do anything you want to in life, you just have to time it right, which is complemented well by a second idea, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. To start with the first, which again was, you can do everything you want in life, you just have to time it right, this is an idea that I feel very lucky to have come across so early in my 20s, but anybody can take advantage of it, regardless of your age. I learned about this idea from the Modern Wisdom podcast, specifically the episode with author Bill Perkins. In it, Bill talks about when he was in his 20s, he was working with a friend in some office job when his friend decided he was going to quit and backpack around Europe for 10 weeks. At the time, Bill thought that his friend was making a huge mistake. So despite being invited to join him on the backpacking trip, Bill stayed in the job. Fast forward a few months, the friend returns from the trip raving about how it was incredible beyond words and how he learned so much and all this stuff, and Bill quickly realizes that he was actually the one that made the mistake by focusing so much on his career. Now, I don't think the moral of the story is that career advancement is not important or that spontaneity should be prioritized over everything else. Instead, I think it's a good reminder about how our life exists in seasons. We're constantly moving through different seasons of life, and they're each defined by the major things in our life. Like if we're in school, what jobs we might have, our relationship status, where we live, and what struggles we're going through. The things that we can and should do are largely dictated by the season of life that we're in. For example, getting really drunk at a club full of 20-somethings is totally normal and fun if you're 20-something. But if you're 40 and married with kids, that same thing becomes inappropriate, and it would probably be less fun too. Now, I realize that this point is sort of obvious, but it's actually really easy to lose sight of it, and Bill's story is the perfect example of that. See, Bill didn't say no to the backpacking trip because he didn't want to go, he did. He said no because he wanted to become more established in his career, before taking the time off necessary for that sort of adventure. The thing is, he was actually in the perfect season of his life to go on that trip, being young, single, and not having any large financial obligations like a mortgage or children. But, of course, he put it off because it's so easy to always assume that there will be a more perfect time in the future to do something, when in reality, sometimes that perfect time is actually right now. So again, coming back to the original statement, you can do anything, you just have to time it right, we see that this is exactly right. I think it's a really great exercise to take inventory of the things that we'd like to do in our lives and figure out what should happen right now. Evaluate the season of your life that you're currently in and try to extract the major themes from it that make sense. I'll use myself as an example. I'm currently living with my parents in Massachusetts, working full time from home, and I'm not in a relationship and don't have any kids. From this, I can figure out and decide what I am meant to be focusing on right now. Like I said, I'm living with my parents, which before long will probably never be the case again. So I realized that now is the time for me to really invest in my relationships with them. Next, since I'm not in a romantic relationship and I'm living with my parents, now isn't really the time for me to be dating. So I've instead been investing my time and energy into my friendships and getting to understand myself better. In terms of work, I'm so early in my career, so right now is more about figuring out what it is I want to do rather than going all out in any single skill. Working remotely gives me a good amount of free time, but since I'm living in the suburbs right now, most of that time is spent either with my friends or on exercise, learning, or this podcast, which all contributes to another theme of this time for me, which is saving money. And, of course, this combination of my work, relationship status, and living situations has made this the perfect time for me to rent an Airbnb for a whole month. And so, that's exactly what I did. There's a good chance that I'll do it again, or maybe even a few times more in other places, before my circumstances change in a way that doesn't allow for it. The other half of this idea that I mentioned earlier, you can do anything, but you can't do everything, I'm going to leave open-ended now instead of diving deep. I might go more in depth on it in a future episode, but for now, I leave it to you to figure out what exactly that means for you and how you might want to incorporate that into your life. I want to again acknowledge that not everybody is in a place where you can go on trips like I did or like Bill Perkins' friends did. Fortunately, the importance of these ideas isn't around trips or anything specifically. Rather, it's just about taking inventory of your life and being able to zoom out and see the bigger picture. That way, when we look back on this moment in 10 years, we can honestly say that we were living with intention instead of blindly putting things off for a future in realistically suboptimal time. Intentionality really is everything. When we live with intention, we can't really look back with regret because we can know that we were always just trying to do what was best with what we had and what we knew. So, to conclude, one of the main reasons why I went to Vermont is because it was, well, something I wanted to do. But more importantly for this discussion, I realized that it was the right time in my life for me to go. And so I encourage you to try to figure out what this part of your life is for and go after those things. The next idea I want to talk about is one that I learned while actually in Vermont. And that is to adopt what I call a winning mindset as opposed to a losing mindset. Now, this wording makes it sound really obvious because nobody would ever choose to have a losing mindset explicitly. But I think this wording is helpful because it actually does accurately describe what I mean by it, and it makes the optimal choice so clear. So, what exactly do I mean when I say a winning mindset? Well, to understand a winning mindset, I actually think it's helpful to first explain what I mean by a losing mindset, because that's admittedly what I'm more accustomed to in myself, and I suspect that I'm not alone in that. With a losing mindset, we're focused on our losses, the ways in which we come up short, or the work that we don't do. For example, if we plan on running five miles, but we only run three, we're upset because of the two that we didn't run instead of celebrating the three that we did. Or on an exam, if we get an 80, we focus on the 20% that we got wrong instead of the 80% that we got right. Now, I understand that focusing on what we can do better is adaptive and that we can learn from our mistakes, and I certainly am not trying to discourage that. Rather, I'm trying to bring light to the fact that focusing too much on the ways in which we came up short in past endeavors makes it so when we think about challenges in the future or even just the present moment, we naturally think about the ways in which we could fail or things could go wrong, as opposed to what we could learn or what could go right. If what I'm describing as a losing mindset sounds a lot like perfectionism, that's because it's the same thing. I just rebranded it with a more accurate and, yes, negative name. Even though we know perfectionism is not a good trait or a good feeling, I think part of us still feels like it's sort of a good thing because it can push us forward and the name itself sounds like a good thing, perfectionism, how great. The reality is that we get the same push from a winning mindset that we get from a losing or perfectionist mindset, the difference is the motivation behind that push. With a winning mindset, as you could probably guess, we focus on our wins, past wins, present wins, and potential future wins. When we get an 80 on a test, we focus on the 80 instead of the 20. After all, we started the exam with a zero since it was blank. So saying we lost points doesn't actually make any sense. We can only earn points. We can't lose something that we didn't have in the first place. The same applies to our run. We started the run at zero miles, and we earned three miles. Of course, we can still strive to earn higher grades or run more in the future if those are our goals, but with a winning mindset, our motivation comes more from excitement about the potential of what we can achieve as opposed to being driven by fear of what we might fail to achieve. This can really be applied to any aspect of life. To give an extreme example, if you're battling with severe depression and are struggling to get out of bed, you can still achieve wins. Just like how we start an exam with zero points and the run at zero miles, The default of a day is to stay in bed the whole day. Therefore, anything we do on top of that is inherently a win. Chasing wins is a much more peaceful path to success than minimizing losses, in my view. Now, you might be wondering how all of this applies to my trip to Vermont. Well, in general, over the past few months, I've been thinking a lot about how I want to advance my career. And in that, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos and reading articles about what it is I need to do and the skills that I need to obtain and how long it's going to take and all of this stuff. I got really overwhelmed by all the things that I've yet to learn to the point where sometimes I felt like I was at square one, which of course wasn't the case because I have a degree and some work experience under my belt. I was operating with a losing mindset, ignoring how far I'd already come and focusing on all of these things that I still didn't understand. The sheer amount of these losses, losses in air quotes, been beginning to tackle them extremely daunting to the point where sometimes I wasn't progressing at all. When I was in Vermont, the amount of time I had to myself allowed me to really start to invest myself in this work consistently, and I started to see some progress. Once the progress began, and I realized how good it felt, I was able to slowly start to adopt more of a winning mindset. In this case, working to achieve knowledge as opposed to minimizing stupidity. Another reason why Vermont helped me with this is because when I was there, I was a lot more intentional with my screen time, and I realized that consistently consuming content about what I still needed to do was really just fueling my imposter syndrome more than anything else. Now I know what it is I'm going to be working on learning and improving, and I'm honestly a lot more excited about it now than I was when I saw these things as personal lacks that I needed to be rid of. Adopting a winning mindset has been really helpful for me, although I do admit that it is a recent shift. So far so good though, so I do recommend that you would consider the ways that adopting it might help you out if you don't already use it. The last thing that I want to talk about from my time in Vermont is my attitude towards strangers. I think I've always been someone that gives people, including strangers, the benefit of the doubt, but I had a few experiences in Vermont that showed me that I can jump to negative conclusions quicker than I thought. To start, the woman whose shed I stayed in had some very creepy decor, to say the least. The shed was decorated totally normally, But around the property and inside of the house, she had a lot of doll parts and animal skulls and all of this other just really creepy things. Now, she was truly the sweetest woman in the world and was a perfect host. But I do admit that I did occasionally wonder if I should listen to the lessons that I learned from the many horror movies that I've seen and get out of there. Especially since I was in the middle of nowhere with no cell service. Luckily, I didn't get murdered and I actually ended up having a really wonderful relationship with my host, and we actually made bagels together once, which was pretty awesome. I have a few anecdotal stories of Vermont kindness that go along with this. There were two separate occasions when I was on the side of a dirt road, one time on a walk and the other time unlocking my bike from a tree that I had locked it to, when a car drove by and stopped next to me. It's been kind of ingrained in me that this is a huge red flag, especially because on both occasions the drivers were men but both times, they just wanted to make sure that I was okay. When I was walking, the guy asked if I was lost, and when I was at my bike, he thought I had a flat tire and wanted to help. Another time, I was parked in my car on the side of the road, and again, a man in a truck that was driving by stopped next to me and just gave me a thumbs up to make sure that everything was all right. All three of these times, my mind was like, oh gosh, they're slowing down, why are they slowing down? Because on all three of these occasions, I was pretty far from any houses or anything. But all three times, I was pleasantly surprised with people just genuinely looking out for others. I don't know what it is about Vermont, but it honestly feels like everybody I met or talked to there was like this. I realized that these are, of course, just anecdotes and that this is not to say that you shouldn't trust your gut or that you should trust strangers blindly. Because unfortunately, there are, of course, dangerous people out there. It's more just that in general, there are more people that want to help you than hurt you, and I realized that I was jumping to the more negative conclusion faster than I really should have been in these cases. I don't love the word stranger because it just sounds so negative, but all a stranger is is just a person that you don't know. The strangers that I talked to or even just observed throughout my month of Vermont were honestly one of the highlights of the trip for me. I don't think I had a single interaction that wasn't full of love and kindness. My time in Vermont was extremely special to me, and I know it's an experience that I'm going to remember for a really long time. It's pretty amazing how much you can learn in one month of solitude, and I feel so grateful that I got to experience it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of Accessible Intellect. If you liked it, I recommend that you check out my earlier episodes and subscribe so you never miss a new one. You can also leave up to a five-star review, which would help me out a lot. What would mean the most to me is if you shared the podcast with a friend that, more than anything, helps me grow. A lot of work goes into making this podcast and I want to make sure it reaches as many people as possible. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like me to discuss, I'd love to hear about it. You can put that or any feedback in the Q&A section, which you can find at the bottom of the episode on Spotify. I truly love reading what you have to say. Your feedback and sharing makes a bigger difference than you realize. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye everybody.